From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 184, and today I'm joined by Ian McIntyre. Ian is an actor as well as a writer, whose credits include stuff like The Beaverton, as well as The Grassy Next Class. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down uh, via isolation to watch Coming to America. I'm Jeremy, and I have not seen this film. Hey, I'm Ian, and I have also never seen this film. Oh, we're both versions, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and we're people that probably should have seen this film. I am a legit big 80s Eddie Murphy fan. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that I haven't seen this film. When my, my wife, who hasn't seen anything, and of the things she does has seen, does not remember them or having seen them. Then the amount of times I've been watching a movie with my wife, and she's like, oh, I have seen this, is baffling to me. She's like, bye. <laughs> she heard all of that. She knows. You know these things. These are facts. Excellent. I'm watching Coming to America if you want to watch in the background. She's not going to. She's Fair a enough. teacher, and so her life is fucking crazy right now. Oh, my sympathies. Yeah. Uh, so she has seen this, and she was, of course, was shocked that I had not, given <laughs> my, uh, my background. So I don't even know why. The only thing, what, what year was this movie? Oh, that I don't actually know. I can look it up. Was this early 80s? I believe, yes. I believe this was like earlier 80s. Oh, my wife is chiming. What are you saying? She's guessing 87. Let's see if she's right. Well, that doesn't make sense. I would have been watching inappropriate 80s movies that came out in the late. Oh, my God. There's a, there's a sequel called Coming to America. Oh, yes. Two? Coming like this, due this year. I know. Yeah. It's all filmed and all ready to edit or ready oh, to release. 88. You were close, Sam. Oh, wow. 88. Jeez. That's weird that maybe because I – oh, I don't want to look because I'm like – I totally uh, – oh, well, maybe I'll time this episode for that. I didn't even, I, it was not even on my radar. Good for us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah. remember seeing that that was coming out, and then it just occurred to me like, oh, that's one I never have caught. And then I saw that it just popped up on Netflix, and I flagged it to watch later on. Yeah. Yeah, that's just it. It was one of those ones where I'm like, I really need to, to see that. And I wonder why, because I wonder, must, is it rated R? It must be rated R. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it must be. It's, it's John Landis, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. The one. I know two things. Uh, Eddie Murphy and John Landis. That's all I know. And because I looked it up on IMDb real quick to see the thing, I think I saw another name, but I, I try not, I try to block it out. Fair enough. So yeah, like, uh, what do you know of this going in? Just, just those two things. I know those two things. Uh, and based on the title and I think probably I saw a clip at some point and like a photo of Eddie Murphy, I'm assuming he has an outrageous accent that is <laughs> a, not his own and B probably not culturally sensitive. Oh my God. I, yeah, I have no doubt that this movie is 
probably not going to hold up to today's social mores whatsoever. Which is why I think it's even more shocking that they just did a sequel because it's like, unless they address that somehow, because I don't, I was just thinking that today, how it's like, you know, Meryl Streep has made a career out of getting Oscars for doing uh, accents very well. Mm. But now that's considered like a no-no. It's like, you should cast a person who speaks that way. Of course, certainly, yeah. Like it's almost, it's, it used to be like a pride of thing. It's like, oh, look at how well that person portrayed a person totally unlike them but now it's like that's not okay Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i think that's really turned around it's but it's interesting how like the acting profession has it's like this weird thing that has become uh suddenly not okay to pretend to be someone you're not well i think it's like obviously i think it there's like a scale of cultural appropriation yep what you're doing and i think you know, on one end of the scale is like, I don't know, Mickey Rooney in yellow face in breakfast at Tiffany's. (laughs) Like that's at the far end of the scale. And at the other end of the scale, which is, I think like still just barely okay. Like I watched the Eurovision movie this summer that Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams did. And it's like, Oh, they're making fun of Scandinavians and you know, they're not changing their skin color. And it's like, I think this is still barely okay. It, it, it comes down to personal choice. I think really it's like, at what point do you like, I just the other night uh, in this episode will have already been posted, uh, did bamboozled. Oh, wow. Yeah. And Damon Wayans is doing like this really strange, like he's not playing, he's, he's doing a weird like accent, like he's putting on the, have you seen bamboozled? I have actually, I remember watching that movie and I, at the time as a teenager, I wasn't like a huge Spike Lee aficionado, but I remember renting that and watching it. And obviously I remember at the time it was like, it was meant to be super out there and offensive. And the gag was, I can't believe people are okay with this. And it's, and it's shockingly way more relevant now than it was when it came out. But, but yeah, what was that movie like to watch now? Really interesting. Uh, really fascinating. You, you have to check out the episode. I will. I definitely will. Yeah. I saw uh, that come up on my feed the other day. Yeah. So that one's interesting because he's doing, like, he is doing an accent, but he's playing like uh, a, a, a pseudo intellectual, right? Oh, for and sure. Doing yeah. like this fake weird accent for that. So, but it is a weird, it, it is a weird thing. And, it's like, and I don't know where I land on it. Cause I go for me, I'm like, comedy should be off. There should be nothing out of bounds for comedy. As long as you're not trying to hurt someone. Sure. Like if you're actively just trying to be shitty and mean, mm-hmm. that's different than like, because all comedy sheds truth on something that's weird or wrong. Otherwise, it's not. It doesn't work. I think mm-hmm. anyway. And so it's like it's hard not to do comedy without like poking at something because that's kind of what comedy does. Sure. Um, I think it can. I think it can really depend though. I, I do think a lot of people poke at things without giving any thought to it, and then when they get called out they claim there was thought to it after the fact. Yes. There's, well, there's lots of that. Um, it's just, it, it comes down to your intentions. And if you're intending to hurt someone, that's different. Mm-hmm. For uh, sure. And that's, but that's just the problem. And that's, that's where comedy is like a lot. It's been, it, it's continuing to get harder and harder because people are getting more sensitive um, in a way that just people weren't, or at least like, and, but there's a difference too. There's a difference between being sensitive because something is, culturally inappropriate or just because you can't you're not allowed to offend anybody i don't know i don't even know where i'm going with this i'm gonna dig myself in a hole real quick no no, no. i totally get it i mean like i've been doing sketch comedy like live sketch comedy for god 15 years now and when me and my friends like we would hang out 
you know, my friends that I did sketch comedy with way back then, we look at stuff and we're like, oh, we wouldn't do this now just yeah. because it's not something we thought hard enough about back then, like this, this specific bit. And people who were probably offended by that back then, you know, the handful of people who came to see our sparsely attended shows uh, probably wouldn't have said anything about how they were offended. And now it's a conversation you can actually have. So it's something now as old, old men, old, old, old men, we, uh, we look back on and kind of, you know, second guess some of the stuff. That's, I mean, I think that's healthy though. I think we, you know, I think it's, in general as artists, if you don't look back and are, aren't slightly embarrassed by something <laughs> you did 10, 20 years ago, you're not, you're, a, you're not growing, but I think in that respect, you're not growing as an artist, but you're also not growing as a person. And I think, sure. Not to say it's okay if we were doing things that were, you know, harmful or inappropriate back then, but the fact that we can at least look at it now and go, oof, that was not okay. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. It's tough. I know. I, I, that's why it's like there's a danger going back and reading old scripts. Oh, man. <laughs> yes, yes. And watching old movies, especially movies from the 80s. So what do you know about this movie? Really, basically, just what you said. Um, Eddie Murphy, I, I believe he's like some kind of fictional African royalty, comes to America. I think he like pretends to be poor or something like that. I, my understanding is that he's coming to like find a wife, maybe. I don't know. And I seem to recall seeing like a photo of him dressed up in like weird Scottish regalia. So it's at basically some point. the Santa Claus too. Yeah, Santa Claus 2, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Santa Claus 2 is a remake of this. Um, and beyond that, it's it's weird because it's like, I feel like this movie is held in good esteem. Like, people remember it and like it, but unlike almost any of his big hits from the 80s, I, I don't see, like, memes of it around. I don't see, like, people quoting lines from it. Or maybe they are, and I just don't recognize it, but... Yeah, and I think it's the same. Like, this one's not on my radar the way that other ones are. But then you go, is that just because I'm not aware of them and I miss them? Mm -hmm. For sure. But, like, yeah, I mean, when I was a teenager, like, we were obsessed with all the stuff that Eddie, like, his, you know, like, Beverly Hills Cop and 48 Hours and uh, Delirious and all of his old SNL stuff. Like, we rented the the tape of Eddie Murphy's Best of SNL from the video store so many times uh loved it yeah and there and it's and he goes through and he's gone through like these weird career like Mm -hmm. models in a way where he like disappeared for a bit and then came back and just did a bunch of like lighter comedies and then just started doing just like basically him playing every character in various uh fat suits i'm I'm, imagine rewatching that profession now there's no way that plays well now gotta be so weird just all and all the clumps and then the sequel like the clumps and i feel like nutty professor has become a thing that's like so parodied now like so much of what they had uh tracy morgan doing on 30 rock feels like he's parodying a lot of movie stars but like some of it was for sure aimed at eddie murphy's later films tracy morgan was playing like a really like like a hyped up version of eddie murphy for sure Mm mm-hmm like a crazy version of Eddie Murphy. For sure. I think there's also a little bit of Martin Lawrence in there, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's what you get. That's what that is. When when Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence have a baby, <laughs> you get the Tracy Morgan character from 30 Rock. That's very funny. You get a big 40-year-old baby. Yeah. Uh, great. So I know, so we know equally about the same amount of nothing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that is a great place for us to dive in. Sweet. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. And we just finished. Hey. And what did you think? That was fun and a half hour too long. Oh, yeah. It's interesting. I read that um, John Landis offered when they put a Blu-ray out a couple years ago to do a director's cut and cut about a half hour off. And they were like, no, <laughs> the, the movie is excess, it was a hit. Why would you change it? He's like, because it's too fucking long. It's, and, yes. <laughs> There's even like little tiny moments that like, and I, I'm not much of an editor myself, but like when he follows her down into the subway and then like goes onto the subway with her, the shot keeps going and you like, you see the train leave the station and it goes for like five seconds. And I'm like, you, no, why? <laughs> like you, you don't need that. I, I know he's on the train. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. I did not love this movie. I, uh, I felt it to be like ridiculously indulgent in terms of, yes. um, I mean, this is the first time Eddie and Arsenio, uh, we're playing multiple characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only one that I thought was really kind of impressive for, for Eddie was him playing Saul, the old, the white Jewish man. I hate to admit, I did not realize that until the end credits. That was the Eddie Murphy. Uh, I, I, I only, I, I, I was not sure cause it was so good. Mm-hmm. All the other ones feel like Eddie Murphy's wearing makeup. Oh, for sure. Which yeah, Rick probably, Baker really earned his paycheck on that one. Yeah. And then, but that one in particular, the saw one, I'm like, that one's really good. That one, mm-hmm. that, they, they just did a great job with that. Uh, another one just feel like, ugh, why, why? Oh, and it's just like, it just derails the, any momentum that the movie has, which it already doesn't have a ton of. Cause it's like, I found this movie weirdly sweet. Yeah. Like, I didn't, like, I didn't hate it, but I just mm-hmm. sat there going like, I think I laughed like three times. There were a couple jokes I really liked here and there, but it's just, it's weird seeing Eddie, especially 80s Eddie, play this virtuous a character. Yeah. <laughs> it's my cat yelling in the background. I mean, when I she picture agrees. Eddie Murphy, I picture like, like the way he wakes up at the beginning of the movie and goes to the deadline, that feels like just Eddie Murphy's life in general. <laughs> I don't think they well, changed much. And it was weird, too, because I, I really figured, like, off the top when we see him, like, being attended to by all these beautiful women, I'm like, okay, this is an 80s Eddie Murphy comedy. It's going to be all about him, like, being forced to learn a lesson about having integrity and being, you know, loving people for who they are and this kind of stuff. And it's like, no, he's there from, like, moment one. Yeah, he wants it. Yeah. Which, which is nice. Me, it's nice. It just, like, it saps a lot of tension out of the movie. Well, he doesn't have an arc. What is he? He's not learning anything. He's really, really not. He's basically like moment one. He's like, I don't want an arranged marriage. I want to go to America. I want to meet a woman, which I've just decided right now. And then it's just that playing out. <laughs> like it works without any pushback or obstacle. Yeah. And that, I think that's the problem. That's why it's flat for me. It's just like, I wonder if that, because this, this is like during like the rise of Eddie Murphy, right? Like he's sure. on... You know, he's, he's at the top of his game. He's probably making crazy demands on set for whatever he needs and wants and all his entourage. And uh, I was reading a couple couple stories that are fun, especially between him and Landis, because apparently Landis yeah. had just finished up 
he had just had a bunch of flops in a row, but he was also dealing with the trial from uh, the um, the people that died on the Twilight yeah. Zone movie that he got charged with um, manslaughter. And oh yeah, no, it's that that story is utterly insane, and it's crazy that John Landis still had like a long career after it. Yeah, and so Eddie was the one that forced him to hire him, but then they didn't get along at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, but then he. They made up, I guess, because he ended up directing Beverly Hills Cop Three. So they they made up at some point. Yeah, I remember uh, reading actually recently some some story about Eddie Murphy, like this famous argument that they had on set where Eddie basically threatened to physically assault John Landis. Yeah, I was reading that too. Well, he came into his trial and they just had it out. Like where Landis yeah. is even like, "This movie isn't funny. You're not funny. I'm only doing this for the money." Uh, it's like oof, which makes sense. That- yeah, I saw Eddie had a story by credit at the beginning, and then they farmed it out to a couple of other writers. Yeah, uh, well, so yeah, like you and said then, about indulgent. And then there was uh, apparently a lawsuit over someone else saying you stole my movie, oh, my idea. God. And then that person they settled for like just shy of a million dollars. The only indulgent thing I really liked was the how this is kind of a sequel to Trading Places because they brought back <laughs> the Duke brothers. It, I only saw Trading Places for the first time, like, last year. And it took me a really long time to recognize them. Yeah. It, took, uh, yeah, I, it was like, I, I, I caught it pretty quickly. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I'm like, that indulgent, I'm, I'm fine with. I thought that was cute and fun. Uh, <laughs> and a nice little callback, especially because it was the Landis movie as well. Sure. Uh, oh, that, that one I, I, I forgave, but it was all the other ones just felt a bit much. Can we talk about how many like huge actors are in this movie that were not huge actors at the time? But like a, a one scene cameo from Samuel L. Jackson is insane. Well, at that point, it wasn't a cameo, right? That was just him. Oh, had, yeah, but, but like just like uh, he was a day player, basically. Yeah. <laughs> but with all the tropes of like the Samuel L. Jackson character fully fleshed out. Mm-hmm. That's a man oh. who knew who he was at the time. He absolutely. Although I did find it genuinely hilarious that they, they, they seemed to take it really in stride that he was there to rob the place with a shotgun. And then later on he was He's, like, yeah, that but, guy's robbed us five times already. And I'm like, what? How do you, and it's, he's very specific looking. It's like, and he comes <laughs> in with a shotgun blazing. It's like, how have you not dealt with that? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's, I, I always do find like movies set in New York in the eighties that really lean way too hard into this. Like New York is a crime ridden hellhole. Yeah. And you know, no one should live there, but everyone's like, ah, what do you got to do? The, the joke that killed me to round that was when they first showed him the apartment. And then there's the, um, the chalk outlines. And he says, it's a real shame when they did that dog. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's a funny joke to me mm-hmm. because it paints a picture in my head that goes, this is terrible. And that made me laugh. And oh, then yeah. I love the next moment where he's like, neighbors, I love you. Fuck you. Fuck you too. Like that's, that was my, <laughs> that's my kind of joke. Oh yeah. Like I, I, I was really on board with about the first act of this movie. Yeah. Like, Even I was like though oh, it's, it's all kind of set up. It's a bit flabby, but this is kind of fun. And they're really leaning into like the over the top goofiness of the country. Like just having elephants wander around the Royal palace in the background and, and well, and like I that. was even hoping that it's like, and, and to speak to the lack of arc, like what I was hoping was the idea that it's like, he's this guy who, like, I wanted more fish out of water. 
with mm-hmm. it because the problem was he was like, I don't want to walk on rose petals. I don't want to do this. But it, and, and it wasn't like, because what would have been great for this altruistic type character, he's like, I don't want to be pampered. But then when he shows up into this world, he realizes like, oh, fuck, I don't know how to live. I don't know how to survive. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know how to brush my teeth because somebody's been doing that for me and helping me gargle. Like, yeah, they didn't pay like, all that setup. They didn't pay off in any way oh, that was point. like, it was just like, that should have been like him trying to figure out how to do all that stuff and failing. And mm-hmm. then, and then realizing he did like all that pampering. Exactly. But that wasn't yeah. it. Like, like you said, he was just like fine with it from the get go. And there was no arc. To the and he character. gets the job at the fast food restaurant. is just like really good at it right away. And yeah, there's, there's no problem or uh, pushback on anything. Uh, no, yeah, it was great to see him have to learn to wipe his butt. Oh God, that's the scene I was waiting for. I'm like, I was hoping that scene would come where I'm like, I want to <laughs> see like the joke. Like that's a great joke to play. A man mm-hmm. who literally doesn't know how to wipe his own ass, and he and it's like, oh my God, it's like, it didn't didn't stop. <laughs> uh, you know, that's that's a really funny joke to play <laughs> with an overly pampered okay. person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's so strange with this movie. You're you're right. Like they spend so much time on really solid setup, and then it just does, none of it pays off. Which is too bad. Um, yeah, there was this, it's like a lot of, especially for comedy, a lot of really wasted opportunities for like really playing off of like the setup that they were mentioning. <laughs> did you catch the Cuba Gooding Jr. cameo? Uh, I did not catch that until I looked at IMDb. That's nuts. He's just the guy, I, I caught it right away because he's sitting in the chair, but apparently he's also uh, one of the older, he's the other older guy that, Arsenio and and because Eddie's playing two of the barbershop guys. He's playing the Jewish guy and uh, the main just, barber guy. Yeah, yeah, the guy that's clearly Eddie Murphy. Yeah, <laughs> but then the other one's Arsenio. But then the other guy is Cuba Gooding Jr. I think. Oh, oh, I thought that it was like Cuba Gooding Jr. was the little kid getting his haircut. He is, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong with that. He's definitely in there, and he had a line, but he got cut out. Oh wow! Um, and then it took me a second to re- realize that was Eric LaSalle too, playing the <laughs> um, the giant, the biggest Jerry curl. Oh, so that part made me laugh too. I like that. Louis Anderson yeah. um, has that weird part. You know who? Here's the thing that killed me. So I will say I I liked that uh, his accent wasn't. At, it was very subtle. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. over the top and kind of. Uh, I think offensive. I don't. I can't really speak to it because I'm not. Right. For, I'm not of the the ilk of who he's uh, uh, playing into. So I don't want to say sure. it's not offensive. I'm sure it offends somebody. Uh, but what I don't get is his dad doesn't fucking have an accent. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a little weird to like be like, we've hired James Earl Jones. Now please don't do your incredible James Earl Jones voice. Like change yeah. it. I don't think you, you know ever who, ask him to change that. Do you know who their first choice was? Who? Sidney Portier. Oh my God. That almost would have been bet. Oh, I don't know. That's it's, a tie, it's a toss up. I'm like, those are both great choices. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Like, so much of this movie in retrospect just almost feels like what if Black Panther was played for laughs? It it totally is. It totally is. Uh, there is a funny, before you gotta move off of James Earl Jones, there's a funny Star Wars reference. Did you catch that? No, no, what? It's when he comes into the restaurant 
to McDowell's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he's like, where's my son? I will deal with him myself. It's it's very oh. much like the moment from uh, Empire. <laughs> I didn't catch that at all. That's fantastic. And apparently it was a deliberate, like, Eddie made him do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I mean, how did you Jones? <laughs> I like yeah, to think they stood there and said, and he's like, do it. And, he, and Junior was like, no. And he threw a thousand dollars at him. It's like, do it. He's like, no. He throws another thousand. And I don't know how many thousand it took, but I'd like to think that's how it went. Well, it's just like a redo of that scene where James Earl Jones is trying to pay him off to, for the daughter to go away. Yeah. Uh, man, that's wild. It's also the McDowell's thing is like a lot of time gets paid into that joke. Of like we're this weird place that's ripping off McDonald's and it doesn't really go anywhere. No, even with like because they really lean into the Scottish heritage yeah, stuff with the uniforms, it. and it just does. It's just another one of those things. Like someone thought this joke was funny, and even with like there's so much of that too. Where I go, was this was this funny at the time? Like there's that scene when when they go to like the club and he's looking, and it's just like one of those jump cut things, and you're going mm. through all these different women sitting across from him. And I'm like, none of this is funny. Even like the Arsenio and drag bit oh, is like... A couple of them got me, but yeah, the Arsenio and drag bit was kind of lame. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, not some were better than others, but yeah. for the most part, it's just like, oh, this was such a trope of, uh, yeah. of, of, of a time that it just doesn't quite play. I mean, if it had been 15 years later, that would have been a speed dating joke for sure. That's essentially uh, what it is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you know what it is. I've just seen that scene funnier. Mm-hmm. Is, is oh. I guess the only thing. This like uh, yeah, this movie. And admittedly, I don't know much about the production of it, but it really does feel like Eddie Murphy kind of sleepwalking a bit. Like he's he's present because he's working so hard to play this like really sweet character, but he also just feels like on autopilot in terms of jokes. Because I always just think of him as like the guy who comes up with a million hilarious bits on the day and, and infuses a movie with like so much life. But in this movie, he was kind of one of the least exciting parts of it. Except for when he's showboating, but even then it just feels like, well, now you're pulled me out of the movie. Cause I'm like watching you do this, like really over the top character. Oh, for sure. Or if like you, seeing, I believe the children are our future for like so two long. or three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the kind of thing where it's like it feels like this is probably the beginning of like not the downturn of, of Eddie, but it's like probably the beginning of like where it's just he's just surrounded by yes men who and no matter what he wants, just do it. That's what Eddie wants. And yeah. so everyone's just like, Yeah, if Eddie thinks it's funny, it's funny, just let him do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't but it's so it's funny to me that it's like I want to talk to the people who who revere this movie. Because there's, there's a couple beats, but I'm like, and even now I'm like, this, what the fuck is that sequel going to be about? He has a, he has a son? It has to be, because it's 31 years later. He has to have yeah, a son. I, it's it's got to be. He has a son. And I, I, I just hope that they come to it from this modern perspective with just more of an idol like pacing and something happening in it. Who directed uh, it? Now I got to look it up. The new one? I don't yeah. know. I, the internet will tell me. We'll keep talking. Yes, yes. Um, I'm very curious now. Coming to America with a two in the middle. Very clever. Arsenio's back, so that's good to see. Man, what has Arsenio Hall been up to for decades? Craig Brewer. 
Why do I not? I don't know that name. I'm sure I do. Uh, Oh, he did Black Snake uh, Moan. I like that movie. Well, that's interesting. Hmm. Oh, he did Dolomite. That's why he got it. Oh, he did the Dolomite. Did you see Dolomite is my name? Dolomite's great. Yeah, I love that movie. Wait, are you talking like the original Dolomite Rudy Ray Moore movie or like the biopic from this? Biopic they did last year. Yeah, yeah. He did Dolomite and he also did Hustle and Flow and Black Snake Moan. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Oh, that's good. That's good. Because, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know. It seems like it could be good. I got to oh, see what's the description. Akeem learns he has a long lost son in the United States and must return to America to meet his unlikely heir to the throne of Zamunda. Oh. oh. So he sowed his wild oats while he was there? I guess. So it's Jermaine Fowler's playing his son. Tracy Morgan's in it. Oh, that's fun. And Wesley Snipes. Okay, okay, that's not bad. Louis Anderson's back. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. wow, jeez. I hate to admit it, I thought Louis Anderson was dead. No, he was just in um, Baskets. He was in the uh, Zach oh, Galifianakis show. What am I talking about? Yes, no, he was in that. Um, um, oh, that's cool. Oh, Leslie Jones is in it. That's good. I'm probably going to check that out. I don't know why... Because I didn't love this. I want, I'm just curious now. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, again, like, I, I got a lot of time for Eddie Murphy. I'll basically watch anything that guy made. Um, and Have I you seen Pluto like, Nash? Okay, fair. Fair <laughs> enough. But I feel like Dolomite, to me, just feels like a real return for him to, like, oh, remember when I used to, like, put a lot of energy into stuff and really care about my movies and kind of let it all get out there? So well, it's because he had to eat a bit of humble pie right there. Like that's he, very you know, true. he went through the Pluto Nash years mm-hmm. and uh, and just like doing all of the him and fat suit years. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, even like his SNL that he hosted in December, which was like Christmas for me. I, I had been waiting to see him host SNL like since I was a kid, uh, and I, I actually was really happy with it. I thought he was really funny and like really excited and engaged and cared for the first time in a decade. And then, I don't know, give me a lot of hope for like, if people want to start really challenging him with some comedy work again, I think he's into it. Yeah. I think he's probably gotten to that age where he's just like, shit or get out the pot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. Cause there's no way he doesn't have enough money to do whatever he wants to oh. for the rest of his life. Absolutely. So if you're going to work, do some work. Mm-hmm. And even like, I, I saw him on that uh, comedians in cars with Seinfeld. Uh, and Seinfeld is just like calcified into this weird old grouch. Um, but he was, he was Eddie Murphy on the other hand, like seemed like really calm and kind of happy. And Seinfeld kept like needling him with a lot of weird, like, weren't you mad at this guy back when we were coming up doing comedy questions? And Eddie's just like, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't really think about that stuff anymore. He's like, I'm just kind of excited to maybe get out there again. And Seinfeld's like, Oh, what's the point in that? That's but I, I think Eddie's in a good place now, I hope. I don't know. I say that about a man I could never hope to meet. No, he's doing some cool work. So that's good. He, he's, but it's just interesting because what, what followed up this? I'm just trying to think of like, so this is 88. So we're coming, um, we're, coming uh, we're coming off of Trading Places, which is five years earlier, I think, at that point, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Oh God! Yeah, you're getting into a uh... forty-eight hours, or the sequel to Forty-eight Hours is coming up. Harlem Nights is coming up. Harlem Nights, Boomer, Boomerang. Hours. Boomerang. Okay, Boomerang. yeah, we're getting we're starting to get into the weird stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is on the tail of like Beverly Hills Cop Two and Golden Child, and just like a bunch of his 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 albums. Oh well, God! Right? Vampire in Brooklyn. Oof. Oh, Vampire in Brooklyn. I totally forgot about that. I remember watching that as a teenager and being so excited for it and so disappointed. It's it's a brutal movie. Yeah, and we watched. Uh, I don't know if you ever saw Doctor Doolittle. We watched oh, it with the kids. No, no. That is that is not uh, an appropriate movie to watch with children, even though you think it would what? be. It's Doctor it's, Doolittle. It's, it's Eddie Murphy talking to animals. It's one of those movies. I actually did this on the podcast because it was on the the disney plus channel and we did like a, a vault thing it's just one of those things where it's just like you know how some movies like pixar not even pixar pixar doesn't really do this but it's like some movies are really good at like sliding innuendos in the kids sure. movies that just like fly over the kids heads sure yeah this movie did not try to do that they just went here's a dick joke and it's like what what my kid totally understood what you're doing there <laughs> And and uh, you were not subtle about it. it. Was like they just went no subtlety at all. They're like, let's do, hey, let's do that thing where you include like inappropriate jokes in the kids movie, but we won't like hide them. We'll just let them linger there on the surface in a really in a way that makes people awkward as fuck. Who is this for? Yeah, that's just it. I'm sitting there watching, going, I, and I'm not. I'm a person that shows my kids inappropriate things. But when I sit down and watch Doctor Doolittle. <laughs> <laughs> there's a certain contract the movie makes with the audience at that point man why do they keep remaking dr doolittle too didn't they just do one with uh robert denny jr yeah and i have i've not seen that i'm done i'm done with dr doolittle after, after that eddie murphy one i'm uh i'm taking a hiatus maybe uh and then i i don't think the the, the Downey jr one did particularly well either no i don't think so um, so uh I, I i'm i'm done with dr doolittle for the time being and uh, and that's all there is to it. Yeah. Anyway, back to coming to America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wish I wanted. It's like funny because I went into this with like I didn't go in with high expectations, mm-hmm. other than the fact that I knew it was like eighties Eddie Murphy, and I'm like, this is probably not going to be terrible. Yeah. 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 I didn't hate it, but it definitely like by the midpoint, I was checking my watch. Yeah. Well, it's, it's just the pace. And it's interesting that Landis was just like, can I please go in there and, and do what I wanted to do originally? And I wonder how much of that is like Landis not caring at the time versus what sort of 80s movie pacing was. And, you know, a lot of movies back then moved at a slower pace. But Well, again, it's the, it's the indulgence of just like Eddie's probably in the editing room going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do what I want. Yeah, like, like just, just don't cut a single thing of me playing three different characters. Yeah, no, that's yeah. true. Oh yeah, who can you imagine being the editor suggesting like, hey, maybe we should trim this? This doesn't really add to the story. It's just mm-hmm. Eddie being silly. It's like you want to cut that out and show Eddie the cut. <laughs> no, it also didn't help that the like the girl that he was playing opposite, whose name I've already forgotten. I'm sorry, uh, the the character or the actress, um, she. Yeah, she was just really flat, I found. Like, not really a lot of fun. And her sister, who was the more fun character I don't think had ever acted before. Yeah. She seemed, like, weirdly stiff at times. Well, And it's funny because, again, it's like a wasted opportunity. And the irony is, like, his whole point of coming to America 
mm-hmm. was uh, to meet like a strong, independent woman. Mm. And he meets like kind of a flat, boring woman who like is just it knocks his socks off for reasons I don't quite <laughs> understand. Like you see her giving a speech that's sort of about like Black Heritage Week. And I'm like, oh, OK. So she's like a community organizer or something. And then that goes away. And then she's just kind of boring. And then Eric LaSalle is like, she's into him sort of until she immediately stops being into him forever. And then he just kind of keeps hanging around the periphery of the movie and is never a factor again. No. So weird. So weird. So weird. And the ending is also very, very strange too. The idea that they go through all of the trouble of having Eddie go back to Zamunda, uh, Get it, get ready for the wedding. Having the whole wedding, he still thinks he's going to marry the woman he doesn't want to, and they've secretly flown out the woman that he loves, and then they get married. Without showing any of that. They don't show the moment where, like, James Earl Jones, like, eats crow and goes and apologizes and wins her back. They just yada yada all over all of that. Like, they just want to play the gag of, like, he's at the altar, and they lift the veil, and it's the woman that he loves. But immediately, I'm just asking questions of, like, wait, so she didn't have any input into her own wedding? any of her family there like well that's just it it's like there's so you just like let Eddie Murphy like sing a song for three minutes in the movie but you can't show me any of this (laughs) and she like her and Eddie had really only been like interested in each other for like a week I think they'd kissed like once oh it's the 80s oh yeah yeah, I I can accept that That, that, that's just 80s movie logic that it's like oh people that have known each other for a month are now going to like pledge their love to each other for forever I'd like to think here's the thing we're getting a sequel so I'd like to think that it's like we're going to find out that a week later they were divorced (laughs) that would make sense she's like this is just stupid this this is some bullshit Zamunda just has like incredibly progressive divorce laws yeah, and then very quickly, and then he just went back. He's like, you know what? I had some, I had, I had a good thing going with just like the the penis washers. Man, yeah, it's also interesting that like for as virtuous a character as he is, and as good a guy, he get very he just seems utterly disinterested in being king, or like ruling a country. Well, that's what makes him descend. Just you know the idea, and even when they're you know. Uh, Arsenio goes to like send the telegram for tell me three hundred thousand dollars, and it's like I think there's a mistake here. It's like right, we should ask for. And they get she gets up to a million, <laughs> which to be fair does does alert the parents to go. Well, wait a minute now. We should just double check that they need it. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. And his father seemed like very on board with like, oh, that's okay. We'll just pause the wedding. Go fly to another country you've never been to. It'll be fine. Yeah. I know everyone's here for the wedding, but we'll just pause it. We'll, we'll stick a pen in it, give you a couple hundred grand. And does that mean he is embezzling that money? That is like, a very good question. Like I, now, I'm just thinking, like he's a king. Are they terrible autocrats who are bankrupting this seemingly, uh, yeah, this nation that has trusted them? Yeah, it's basically Wakanda, but without yeah, the technology. Yeah, yeah. Okay, without the technology and with a king that's like not super jazzed about being king. Yeah. What I don't understand. Anyway, there's, there's so many questions I have about this movie and none of the answers I think will be interesting. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's, it's clearly a movie where they didn't give a ton of thought to it. Nerds out there. If you love coming to America, let me know why I am just very curious to, uh, to know where that lands for you. I'm sure there's a rich backstory to it. The one thing I will say, like one thing I will definitely say in its favor is this was a very, 
black movie. Like at a time in the eighties when it seems like big budget studio movies probably wouldn't have done that as often. Like this yeah. movie, entirely black cast. Uh, unfortunately, not at all a black director. Nope. But you know, but even even the sequel doesn't. The, the yeah, yeah, that's true too. That's unfortunate. But uh, I do think that that was at least you know they, they got to yeah they got to make the, a movie. The critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes just says Eddie Murphy was in full control at this point, starkly evident in Coming to America, John Landis' coasting direction. <laughs> I'm like that's that's a very fair. Burn, I burn, 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 burn. I don't disagree. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I'm at, like, I don't hate that I watched this movie, and I'm glad I could cross it off the list finally, but, like, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's, I'm, yeah, I'm glad I can be like, yeah, I saw it, and uh, I'm good. And I probably will see the sequel. Oh, same. Well, when it, but when it shows up on Netflix. streaming, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when it shows up on streaming, make this a straight to Netflix sequel. Don't. Oh, I mean, hey, like anything that's come straight out to Netflix while well, we've all been living at home, I've uh, I've been very happy to give a chance to. Yeah, yeah, I, that's just it. I would give ten minutes of this to uh, to a, a straight to Netflix sequel. I, I'm I'm on board for that. Um, uh, I always want to go back and watch Bowfinger again. Bowfinger, I will. I haven't watched it in years, but I'm going to sit here right now and go. That is a great movie, mm-hmm. uh, and that- probably the only time. Eddie Murphy playing two characters worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I revisited it a little while ago, and uh, in my opinion, it really holds up. I re- I just remember like there's so many great like Robert Downey Jr.'s part in that movie is great. Oh, uh, it's just really really funny and smart, mm-hmm. and yeah, and it's the one time him playing the two the dual roles like doesn't feel like it's just indulgent for the sake of it it feels like oh no these are actually two characters that serve a point in the story mm-hmm. well i love how they they keep the reveal until like halfway through the movie that he's like oh he is my brother yeah like he's my twin brother and they're like what <laughs> yeah it's just random yeah that that's great the whole thing and just like all the just how bad that movie is they're making but they're all yeah. so committed to it it's oh, the I commitment that steve martin has that's just mm-hmm in my opinion, it's the last truly hilarious movie that Eddie or Steve Martin made. Maybe. I'd have to look up what Steve did after that, but you're probably not wrong. Like, I think, like, they've been in good movies since then, but it's the last, like, really good straight-ahead comedy that both of those guys made. And I, funnily enough, they made it together, which I think is the only time they were in something together. Maybe. Well, and I think that was kind of the draw of that movie, too, is like, here's oh, yeah. two giant titans that have never mm-hmm. been on screen together, and, and let's see what they do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd watch a Bowfinger sequel. Oh, God, I would watch a sequel of that for sure. Oh, man. <laughs> now I'm wondering what that would be. That would be a lot of fun. That would be so much. I mean, sign me up for a Bowfinger sequel. I'll watch that every day. My cat just yelled she's into it, too. Okay, great. So, uh, so we'll do that. I, I got to find someone to do Bowfinger on the podcast. My oh, son hasn't done it. My son will dig it. Oh, that's a fun movie. That'd be a treat. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, for watching this with me. Oh, thank you very much for having it on. Yeah, or having me on rather to, to watch this movie. Yes, it was a great, great time. Yeah, it was so much fun. Well, we'll. Uh, I'm sure we'll have to sadly do it again this way at some point uh, until human beings return to contacting. But. Uh, but True. I appreciate you uh, 
giving up a night of isolation with me. Well, I got a lot of them to fill. But yeah. uh, hey, at least this way I don't have to bike all the way home at, at, late at night. It's true. It's true. There's, there's less chance of you being molested on the street. Well, yes, that was always a danger in the mean streets of Toronto. But uh, no, now I get to just be home, which is great. <laughs> all right. Thanks, buddy. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining us for Coming to America. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.